0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Let us kneel. Come and save us, O Lord our God. Come, O Lord, succor us by Thy great might, and assist us with Thy grace. O Mary, Mother of God, and Mother of us, tota es Maria, Thou art all fair, O Mary, and in Thee there is no stain, Thou art the Immaculate, Thy raiment is white as snow, Thy face shines like the sun. O Mary, our Immaculate Mother, turn Thine eyes of mercy towards us. From Thee we hope for assistance in obtaining the pardon of our sins, the strength to overcome our wicked passions, and to escape the snares laid for us by the world and the devil." Inspire in us an intense hatred of sin, perfect contrition for the sins we have committed, and a lively fear of falling again into sin. Make our hearts and our bodies immaculate, lest we be confounded forever. Let us pray in preparation for Christmas. Blessed be the hour and the moment in which the Son of God was born, of the most pure Virgin Mary, at midnight in Bethlehem, in piercing cold, in that hour vouchsafe, O my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desires, through the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ and of His Blessed Mother. Amen. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and once again I remind you of what I preached last Sunday, specifically with regard to the four great truths about Jesus Christ with which we begin the new year of grace, the new church year. We can say that these four great truths about Jesus Christ are symbolized by the Advent wreath and the four candles. Those four great truths are number one, Jesus will come with great power and majesty to judge the living and the dead. Number two, Jesus will come to judge me at the moment of my death. Number three, Jesus comes to me today especially in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and in Holy Communion. And number four, Jesus came in the flesh to save us. This is Christmas. He is my Savior, He is your Savior. He loves me, He loves you. These four great truths about our Savior Jesus Christ are, again, great truths. We cannot truly believe in Jesus Christ aside from these truths. And all of these comings of Jesus, they have to do with salvation. They have to do with the salvation of our soul. Every single one of them. The very name of Jesus means this. God saves. That's literally what the name Jesus means. God saves. Jesus comes to save us. If Jesus goes to such lengths for the salvation of our souls, what effort are we making to save our souls and to work for the salvation of other souls? In today's Mass in the Offertory Antiphon, we pray the following verse from the Psalms. And so I want to point it out to you because it's a very beautiful prayer and it's a prayer that really summarizes also this holy season of Advent. And it's Psalm 84, verse 8. So again, Psalm 84, verse 8. It's the Offertory Antiphon for today's Mass. Quote, O Lord, Show us thy mercy and grant us thy salvation. Close quote. You really can't pray a more important prayer to God. Where you're invoking his mercy and praying for salvation. Praying for your soul to be saved. Asking him to be merciful. Once again today, I want to remind you of a very important quote. Very important brief, brief teaching By Saint Alphonsus Ligori, Doctor of the Church. This is not the first time that I've quoted this passage to you. I'm sure it will not be the last time. It's that important. And so it's good to listen to it often. Uh, Hopefully that will help us to reflect more and more on it. So Saint Alphonsus Ligori says the following quote. One thing is necessary. And he's making reference to Saint Luke's Gospel chapter 10 verse 42. One thing is necessary, the salvation of our souls. It is not necessary to be great, noble, or rich in this world or to enjoy uninterrupted health. But it is necessary to save our souls. For this has God placed us here not to acquire honors, riches, or pleasures, but to acquire by our good works that eternal kingdom which is prepared for those who during this present life fight against and overcome the enemies of their eternal salvation, close quote. And this is how we begin the new church year, the new year of grace, by fighting against and overcoming the enemies of our eternal salvation, the devil, the world, and the flesh. That's why we begin with prayer, penance, almsgiving. Because it has to do with the salvation of our souls. And to save our souls is not something that's just easy, it's not something that comes automatically automatically. We have to fight against and overcome, obviously with God's help and the help of our Blessed Mother. We have to fight against and overcome the enemies of our eternal salvation. And it's something that we have to work at every single day. Going back to that verse from Psalm 84, Psalm 84 verse 8, where we ask the Lord to show us His mercy and grant us salvation. God shows us His mercy and He grants us salvation through the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Blessed Virgin Mary exists and she is our mother and she is very much involved in our lives. Why? Because God is showing us His mercy and He's granting us His salvation. Today, I want to highlight for you three feast days of our Blessed Mother so that hopefully this will make you even more appreciative of the role that our Blessed Mother has in saving souls and in saving each of our souls. But so that also will give even more importance to this work, the work of saving your soul. Mary's entire being, so to speak, is dedicated to this, to bringing Christ to our lives and to helping us save our souls. We should also hopefully be motivated by her presence and her example and her intercession to work harder than we have in the past to save our souls. Those three feast days of our Blessed Mother are two days ago, December the 8th, today, December the 10th, And two days from today, December the 12th. With regard to December the 8th, two days ago we celebrated the great feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. May we always keep in mind that Mary's Immaculate Conception points to the glory of God. We can also more specifically say the greatness of God, His wisdom, how great his wisdom is, how great his power is, how great his love is. Her Immaculate Conception points to the glory of God and to the salvation of souls. Maybe you've never thought of this. Hopefully you have. And if you have, think about it more. The Immaculate Conception is a great mystery of salvation, of a soul being saved. Namely, Mary's soul. Mary's soul is saved in a unique way. Those of us who are saved, or those of us who will be saved, we're saved not because we don't commit any sins, but because we commit sins and then we repent. And we ask for God's forgiveness and we do penance. And we, if we are fortunate enough to die in a state of grace then our souls will be saved. Mary's soul was saved by God in an altogether unique way and that's her immaculate conception. That due to the, in the future, due to the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ, the precious blood that He shed, in view of the shedding of our Lord's precious blood, The Blessed Virgin Mary was preserved by God who is all-powerful, was preserved from every stain of sin. She was conceived immaculately. Never did sin touch her soul. But the point that I want to just kind of draw your attention to is that the salvation of souls is so important that we honor and venerate with great fervor with great faith, the altogether unique salvation of Mary's soul, again, her Immaculate Conception. And her soul is saved in this unique way so that she may uniquely cooperate with her son in the salvation of all souls, every single soul. Also with regard to the Immaculate Conception, note that The Immaculate Conception reveals to us how God in His infinite wisdom and goodness, how He prepares a mother for His Son, for the coming of His Son, for the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ, how He prepares the Blessed Virgin Mary, not for one day, not for one month, but from all eternity. The Catholic Church teaches that before time began, before time began, God prepared an immaculate mother for the coming of our Savior. But this should really highlight for us how important it is to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Our Blessed Mother's entire existence, certainly her immaculate conception, is in preparation for the coming of our Savior. We too must do everything we can to prepare for the Lord's coming. And again, remember those four comings. His coming in glory at the end of time for the final judgment. His coming at the moment of my death. His coming today, now, in Mass and in Holy Communion. And His first coming 2,000 years ago when He was born in Bethlehem to save us. That's why this season is dedicated to preparing for the coming of the Lord. We should do our best to follow the example of our Blessed Mother. I strongly encourage all of you during these days of Advent to pray especially, make a special intention, asking God, also asking our Blessed Mother, that by the mystery of the Immaculate Conception by the grace of Mary's Immaculate Conception to help me, to help us help me grow in my esteem of divine grace, just like I quoted to you earlier, Saint Alphonsus Ligori: only one thing is necessary the salvation of my soul It's, it's pretty much saying the same thing if we say only one thing is necessary and that's God's grace Because if you gain God's grace and you remain in God's grace and you grow in God's grace, your salvation is guaranteed. But all of us, we have to grow in our esteem and in our appreciation of divine grace. Also pray for a great horror of sin and the grace to avoid sin. It's very effective when we specifically pray that by the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, Did Mary help us to avoid sin? Because in virtue of her Immaculate Conception, obviously she perfectly avoided sin, never tainted by sin, never touched by sin. The serpent never entered the Paradise that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then also pray for purity of body, mind, will, and heart. Again, specifically, invoking the Immaculate Conception. Mary, by thy Immaculate Conception, help me to be pure in my body, in my mind, in my will, in my heart. Because this also is salvation. How do you save your soul? If you really strive to be pure in body, mind, will, and heart, you will be saved. Those who are saved are those who are pure in body, mind, will, and heart. And really every single sin that can be committed is a sin against at least one of these forms of purity. Any sin is either, I mean it can be a combination of those, but any sin is because I'm impure with my body, or I'm impure with my mind. And again, when I say impure with my mind, a lot of ways I can be impure with my mind, but think also impurity in my mind where I don't believe the true faith. Basically, we could say heresy. When I go against the teachings of Christ and His Catholic Church, I have an impure mind. Makes it pure is the truth, true doctrine. So, an impure mind, impure will, really we could say that a pure will Again, the example of our Blessed Mother, when you truly will God's will, not your own will. When you're praying with all your mind and heart, may God's will be done. Not my will, but God's will. And a pure heart, that's when you have a pure intention. Again, when your intention in what you do and what you think and what you say is not what's easiest or what will please others or what will please yourself but what will please God. When you're always seeking to please God first, that's a pure heart. That's a pure intention. On to December the 10th. Hopefully some of you know the Feast of Our Blessed Mother on December the 10th. But if you don't remember, please listen carefully so you remember from this point on. December the 10th is the Feast of the Holy House of Loretto. In the context of today's sermon about the importance of the salvation of our souls, we can also refer to the Holy House of Loreto as the House of Salvation. Tradition tells us that on May the 10th, 1291, the Holy House of Nazareth was raised from its foundations in Nazareth and transported by angels across the Mediterranean from Palestine to present-day Croatia to the small town of Tersato. The pastor of the church of St. George at Tersato, Alexander Georgievich, was puzzled by the sudden presence of what looked like a tiny church. So he prayed for enlightenment. His prayers were answered when the Blessed Virgin appeared to him in sleep and told him that this was indeed the Holy House of Nazareth where the Annunciation took place. And it was brought here through the power of God to confirm what she was telling him he would be restored to health. At that moment Father Georgievich was cured of an illness which he had suffered for many years. With the Muslims taking over Albania in 1294 so that's three years later 1291 to 1294 1294, and the possibility of profanation the house disappeared from Tersato. According to some shepherds, it was seen on December the 10th. Here's the feast day, the transfer, the translation of the Holy House of Loreto. It was seen on December the 10th, 1294, being borne aloft by angels across the Adriatic Sea and came to rest in a wooded area four miles from Recanati on the eastern coast of Italy near Loreto. Present day Loreto is in central Italy. On the eastern coast. The news spread fast and thousands came to examine the tiny house which resembled a church. The house became a place of pilgrimage and many miracles took place there. It's one of the most important shrines in the entire world today, the Holy House of Loretto. This is the Holy House where the Blessed Virgin Mary was born and raised so again, here we can already, in thinking about the Holy House of Loretto, think, God preparing, He continuing to prepare the Blessed Virgin Mary for her great mission, to be the Mother of God, to be the great Mediatrix of all graces, to preparing her to share in a unique way in the salvation of every single soul. The fact that Mary intercedes powerfully for each one of us as a loving mother always seeking the salvation of our souls. All of this, God preparing her in the holy house of Loreto. That's where she was born. That's where she was raised. That's where she pronounced her fiat to Angel Gabriel's announcement where she said, Thy will be done. Let it be according to thy word. And it is also the house where the Holy Family lived. That's why I said earlier it can be very appropriately called the house of salvation. And hopefully it'll be a reminder to us to do the very best that we can to make our own homes, our own houses, Houses where we're working out our salvation. Looking to the example of the Holy Family. And finally, a few words about the feast on Tuesday, December the 12th. Our Lady of Guadalupe. In December of the year of our Lord, 1531, the Most Holy Mother of God appeared four times to the Aztec Indian Juan Diego. Twice on December the 9th, that year it was a Saturday, so twice on December the 9th. Once on Sunday, December the 10th, that year was also Sunday, December the 10th, like this year. Once on Sunday, December the 10th, and then the final time on Tuesday, December the 12th. There's obviously so much that we can say about this apparition. It it truly is one of the most glorious apparitions in the entire history of of mankind and in the history of the Catholic Church. There's such a richness in terms of so many spiritual lessons that are contained in that apparition of our Blessed Mother. But I just want to focus briefly this morning on one aspect, and that's by considering the very first words of our Blessed Mother there at Tepeyac, the very first words that she speaks to Juan Diego. Listen carefully to them. Quote, Know and understand well, you my most humble son, that I am the ever virgin, Holy Mary, mother of the true God for whom we live, of the creator of all things, Lord of heaven and earth. I strongly desire that a temple be built here, so that I may therein show and give all my love, compassion, help, and protection, because I am your merciful mother. To you and to all the inhabitants of this land and all the rest who love me, invoke, and confide in me to listen there to their lamentations and remedy all their miseries, sorrows, and pains. Close quote. I strongly encourage you In this season of Advent, reflect on the words of our Blessed Mother of Guadalupe. Especially today, a lot of times when I hear about the apparitions of our Lady of Guadalupe, and again, and I'm saying particularly also in the modern church, you know, in all the places throughout the church that are being overrun by the heresy of modernism, They've kind of turned the message of Our Lady of Guadalupe kind of into this whole thing of like social justice. Like painting this picture like Our Lady of Guadalupe, what she is is that she's in favor of the the poor and the oppressed and the indigenous and worried about whatever feminism and all these different things that are kind of dumped in there with Our Lady of Guadalupe. Obviously, it's true that Our Blessed Mother comes to, as we just heard her words, she comes to... Listen to all our lamentations and remedy us in all our miseries, sorrows and pains. But, first and foremost, it is remarkable. It's remarkable in that what our Blessed Mother is doing is she's pointing out the way to salvation. Because first and foremost, what our Blessed Mother did in Guadalupe is just a miracle of epic proportions in that she brought Christ to the Americas. She brought the true faith. She brought her son to the, call it the new continent. And so, obviously here what we're seeing is, first and foremost, the truth is brought. But the words of our Blessed Mother are remarkable because her very first words, she's professing the faith. She's making a profession of faith. She's telling us who she is, and this also is is rather unusual. In many of the approved apparitions of our Blessed Mother, there's still kind of a sense of uncertainty on exactly who is this. Is this a great saint? Is this really the Blessed Virgin Mary? And like, for example, if you think of the apparitions at Fatima, it's not until the very final apparition at Fatima on October the 13th, 1917, where the Blessed Mother says, I am the Lady of the Rosary. Telling the shepherd children, telling the world who she is. But here Our Lady Guadalupe, her very first words, she's telling Juan Diego who she is, you could almost say that she's quoting from the Council of Ephesus, because she says that she's the Mother of God, the Mother of the True God. Again, I am the ever virgin, Holy Mary, mother of the true God for whom we live, of the creator of all things, the Lord of heaven and the earth. It's the beginning of our creed. Nobody can profess to truly believe in Christ without professing faith in the mother of the true God for whom we live. A remarkable profession of the true faith And then what follows immediately after is, I strongly desire that a temple be built here. Obviously because she wants to show her intercession, the power of intercession, her love and her compassion for her children. But, if a temple is being built there, what's most important is the glory that's going to be given to God. The sacrifice for our salvation, the sacrifice that saves us, that is going to be offered in that temple... And so what you see very clearly here is what we call our Lex Orandi and our Lex Credendi as Catholics. The worship of the Catholic Church and the true doctrine of the Catholic Church. The true faith and the true worship. It's right there. It's what our Blessed Mother comes to bring to the new lands because she comes to bring salvation. And so the whole point for us is that hopefully we will reflect also more and more in Advent and throughout this year. If God gives us this entire new year of grace to live on this earth, hopefully we'll make more of an effort to dedicate time and effort during this year to be ever more faithful to Catholic doctrine and Catholic worship. Obviously when I say Catholic worship, I'm talking primarily about the traditional Latin Mass. Because this is what's going to save us. This is also what is especially under attack today in the year of our Lord, 2023. Especially under attack from within the Church. Our Lex Credendi, that is what we believe, Catholic doctrine, and our Lex Orandi, what and how we pray, the worship of the Catholic Church, her traditional Latin Mass.